Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, Justine Carino, licensed mental health counselor. I am here to lean into conversations about relationships, resilience, and recovery from life's challenges in order to support you on your journey to finding clarity in what you want for your future. We will talk about the things that no one else really wants to talk about in order to help you heal from past wounds and create a life that truly fulfills you. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. My guest today is Mary Beth Somich, licensed professional counselor with a private practice in Wake Forest, North Carolina, called Your Journey Through. So I met Mary Beth on Instagram, believe it or not, and I slid into her DMs at some point because, first of all, if you haven't seen her Instagram, you need to go check it out. It is such goals. It's beautiful to look at. And you can find her on at Your Journey Through. And second, I noticed we treat the same populations in mental health. So teens, 20 to 30 somethings. We have very similar clinical perspectives and she really knows how to apply theory in a way that it becomes accessible to everyone. So not just trained mental health professionals learn from her. It really anyone can learn from her and what the content she puts out. So Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the amazing introduction. Of course. I'm honored to have you here. And I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure. So to give you the short and sweet version, I'm a licensed professional counselor in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And like you mentioned, my private practice is called Your Journey Through. And I do work primarily with young adults and teens. And I also specialize in family dynamics. So in addition to that, I offer consulting for therapists, and that's to help them either build their private practice if they're just newly entering that world, or sometimes to grow their Instagram following in order to market their practice and their work. And lastly, I'm coming out with a podcast in July called My Therapist Thinks. That is so exciting. I can't wait to hear it, and I will be subscribing and downloading as soon as it comes out. So today's topic is about how to understand and set your boundaries in your relationships. And before we dive into talking about this, I thought it might be helpful if you could explain a little bit about what boundaries are in our relationships. Definitely. I actually love this question because this is not the first time I've been asked to talk about boundaries. I've done some webinars and other podcasts, but I noticed that I couldn't quite find a definition for boundaries that I liked. And right. So many of them focus on boundary setting with other people. And I Mm -hmm. think they really leave out an important piece that, you know, it's just as important to set boundaries with ourselves. So both individually and within our relationships. So I kind of went out on a limb and created my own definition. And I would love to hear it. Yes. Um, So I like to refer to boundaries as limits that you set with yourself and others in order to protect your peace. Ooh, I really love that. That's such a great description of it. And so it's going to be different for everybody. There's no one formula on how to identify or know or create boundaries. It's going to be pretty unique for people. Exactly. So why are boundaries important for us to maintain in our friendships, our romantic relationships, even our family relationships? 
Mm -hmm. So I find that people are often really intimidated or afraid to set boundaries. And it's usually because they fear the other person's reaction. And maybe there's some guilt or some self-doubt or worry that setting boundaries might damage the relationship or whatever rapport they have with that person. And so the most important thing that I want you to take from this podcast episode is that setting boundaries protects our relationships. They prevent Right. They prevent resentment from seeping in and they actually keep our relationships functioning healthily. I see. So I feel like you were describing me. Like (laughs) I feel like I have had a hard time with boundary setting because I'm worried about causing someone to be upset or disappointed or harm the relationship. You're exactly right. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find work with a lot of women and even teenage girls, and I find that assertiveness is directly related to comfort and boundary setting. Yeah. And many girls and women aren't socialized to be as assertive as men, just gender wise in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so women will often worry that their boundary setting will be viewed as aggressive. And so it's really about making that distinction between passive, assertive, and aggressive, and sometimes passive aggressive. Yes, that is so useful. And I sometimes feel like people who are good at setting boundaries are the assertive types of people, right? Because people can set boundaries and be more aggressive about it. And then that just doesn't feel good either. You know, passive doesn't feel good. Aggressive doesn't feel good. It's that assertiveness, that balance between the two that ends up working for people. Exactly. And boundary setting really is assertiveness training in a lot of ways. Such a good way to look at that. So I'm a self-proclaimed person that struggles with saying no. And that's something I've always struggled with. And now that like I like to think I'm a full-grown adult. I've been practicing saying no, whether it's in friendships or family or my career or even my time. And I think my time has been the biggest struggle. So when you say, when you mentioned setting boundaries also relates to setting boundaries with ourselves, that's where I struggle, like setting boundaries with what my time can look like. Mm -hmm. So I think you're exactly right in terms of it's not just how we set boundaries with other people. It's also how we set them with ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I think that many people are not really tuned into their emotional, their physical, their time, or their generosity limits, right? Because boundaries can be broken in all of those areas. And so this is the work that I really encourage people to do in therapy, because you have to reflect on these areas in order to set boundaries proactively as opposed to reactively. And it's so much easier to set them like right from the get-go when you know and understand your needs and your, your personal limits. Yes, that makes sense. So how would we know when someone is crossing our boundaries? Does that feel a particular way for us? I think sometimes it sneaks up on you because sometimes you won't know that someone has crossed your boundary until you felt discomfort as a result, especially if you're more of a passive person. But other times if someone crosses your boundary, there's like immediate resentment and you really will feel it. So, um, you know, you'll want to avoid it happening again. You'll feel burnt out or wronged or annoyed or irritated. Um, So there's power in self-awareness because when you know your limits, you can effectively set them and try to avoid these feelings coming up. 
So you're exactly right. It's we usually notice it way after the boundary has been crossed because mm-hmm. we then react to it in some way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we get into passive aggression because if someone is just bulldozing over your boundary and you're allowing it time after time after time, that's when the the buildup begins. And then there's like one tiny little thing that normally would not um, require like a explosion, but it does because you've just had enough at a certain point and it's almost snuck up on you. And so that's what I we refer to as passive aggression. It's so interesting to really unpack this because I feel like if you haven't been to therapy or you're not learning about this academically, we don't really talk about boundaries. You know, it's not like our parents talk to us necessarily about it other than like physical boundaries with people when we're a child or a teenager. But I feel like we don't really learn about our emotional boundaries. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Definitely. I think it's yeah. often a, a ex- time of exploration when you reach adolescence or adulthood and those boundaries are pushed and that's what sets people into boundary work. Yes. And I think it starts in adolescence. We notice it with friendships. Like we might have that friend who somehow annoys us and bothers us, frustrates us the same way over and over again. And then we start to look at the pattern for ourselves and we're like, oh, they've crossed a particular boundary that I'm uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. And then as we start dating, we start to notice that then in our romantic relationships when our partner is crossing our boundaries. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then there's family, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we both work with a lot of young adults. And this is a really big part of um, some of my work is helping, you know, like college age, 20 somethings set boundaries with their family, because now they've entered an adult realm, adult world, and things are different. And sometimes their parents or siblings need to expect them to be a little bit different now that they're grown. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for families to accept that at times. Yeah, I think what you're describing is the differentiation process. And boundaries are particularly particularly <laughs> hard mm-hmm. in families that are enmeshed. So yes. I can definitely speak a little bit to that because I don't expect everyone to know what enmeshment and differentiation is if they're yes. not a therapist. <laughs> Explain that for everybody. Yeah. So how you were raised along with your role in your family can definitely become an additional obstacle in both setting and preserving your boundaries. So if you held the role of caretaker, you learned to focus on others, you know, you felt drained emotionally or physically and ignored your own needs, then that might've become the norm for you. So Mm -hmm. fear and guilt and self-doubt are big potential pitfalls in, in boundary setting. Um, but when it comes to enmeshment, families with, who are enmeshed struggle with boundaries greatly. So what I mean by that is that some families or within some families, there are unwritten rules that you're just supposed to act a certain way within your family. And when you set a boundary that disrupts that way of functioning and for lack of better terms, like all hell breaks loose within the family when, when you do that, because you're you're disrupting the system and people really fear that reaction to boundary setting. And that's what can keep them stuck in these negative and passive and unhealthy patterns for years. Yes. And like, I can't help but think about the alcoholic family system. You Mm -hmm. know, sometimes 
if you're raised by a parent who struggles with substance abuse, um, there are unwritten rules and you quickly learn what they are based on the parent's reaction to you. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of develop this role to maintain peace in that family. And then you grow up and you're playing out that role with your friendship and or maybe with your partner and you're kind of tired of whatever that role was. And it's not longer, no longer serving you. Like it helped you survive in that family while you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was dysfunctional in a way. Yeah, you know, definitely. And there's so much research about enmeshment in families where one parent or even one member is an alcoholic or struggles with substance use. That's incredibly common. And part mm-hmm. of healthy differentiation is learning to prioritize your own peace over the peace of the family system. Because when you become an adolescent or an adult, you're meant to kind of root out of that family, right? And go off and create your own individual life. Um, So that's the difference is like, do you stay enmeshed in this family system that's been created almost dysfunctionally? Or do you move towards differentiation and healthy boundary setting? Yes. And and that takes so much courage because Mm -hmm. like you said, it disrupts the homeostasis. People react, all hell breaks loose. So the person willing to set new boundaries for their own peace is really facing a lot of reaction and that takes courage. Mm -hmm. It can be extremely hard. Yeah. And it could take a long time to see a positive outcome from it. You know, there's resistance that will be met from person laying out new boundaries for themselves. Yeah. And I always say, if you're nervous to set boundaries, which is very, very normal, ask yourself if it, is it better to step on some toes now and be deal with that discomfort um, by asking for your boundary? Or do you want to let the relationship suffer the consequences when your boundaries continually crossed? Because something's got to change in the dynamic if it's not working for you. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So the family, you know, we grew up in can really influence how we recognize our boundaries, what kind of boundaries we set with our friends and our partners. So it can really play out with our friendships and romantic relationships because of this. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it's a it's not a conscious process. You know, it's very subconscious. It's not like we walk around knowing that connection. You know, we don't necessarily know, oh, I'm still bothered by so-and-so um, speaking to me that way or taking something from me because my mom was like that. Like, it takes a little bit of unpacking and reflection and therapy work to realize that connection. Yeah, definitely. And I find a lot of times when kids or young adults leave to go to college, let's say, and they've been away from the family system um, and some of the communication patterns, and then they come back into it, there's an anxiety that they hadn't experienced when they were just immersed and enmeshed in that family system before. It's a, it's a new, it's like new eyes. It is new eyes. And we're seeing so much of that right now. I mean, we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, And so many college students were sent home to be with their families again. And it's a a array of students like this was their either their freshman year, their sophomore year, sometimes it was their senior year. um, And they didn't expect to come home right now. They were really looking forward to this whole process of like being able to say goodbye to their college experience. And then they're zapped back into their family. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and they may see their family so differently than they did when they left. Mm-hmm, definitely. And that can create so much conflict for a lot of people right now. It's a big adjustment. And there's already so much anxiety in this time period, which is natural and normal. Our nervous systems are adjusting to the threat of COVID. Um, but it's a hard time to be in that situation. Okay. I yelled at my daughter because she decided to dump an entire glass of water all over the bathroom floor on purpose while just looking me dead in the eyes. And in hindsight, it really felt like a mom fail that I reacted that way. You know, her spilling the water wasn't even a big deal. It didn't matter. I was just feeling really stressed out about work, getting the kids to school on time. And it was just one more thing to clean up and deal with in the morning during chaos. And it was a little overwhelming. I'm a busy working mom, and for the longest time, this was almost a daily recurrence, yelling at my kids because I was so stressed out. And it kept happening because I didn't know how to take care of myself and get the care I needed. So instead, I became drained, overbearing, and an irritable mess in the house. (laughs) So now, through intentional self-care strategies and some simple techniques for anxiety and stress management, that have become non-negotiables for me. I am doing more that I enjoy and stressing less. I want you to have the same relief. I want you to have more days with less mom guilt, more moments of fun and presence with your kids and making good memories with your family. Also more of living your life well. Join me for the Path to Peace live group program to clarify and prioritize what you truly want for yourself and your family and learn how to slow down and say no more often to the things that don't align with you. You can learn more about the Path to Peace by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to carinocounseling.com. So how do you think people can establish or change or create new boundaries with people, whether they're family members, friends, or their partner. Mm -hmm. So similar to what you were saying, I think first, primarily, the work is within yourself, identifying what are my wants and what are my needs. And then it involves expressing those respectfully to the other person that you need to set the boundary with. So owning it, being really clear and concise with what you're asking for, and then just sticking to it or standing by that boundary that you're setting. And I always tell people, you don't need to explain yourself. Keep it short Mm -hmm. and sweet because when you go on and on trying to explain yourself and defend your boundary, you're just giving them more to work with in terms of pushing back on you. So just simply saying, you know, this is what I'll be doing, or I will not participate in X, Y, Z, et cetera, like short and sweet, clear and concise statements. I love that. And I feel like some people might need a lot of coaching to do that, you know, and I don't know about you, but in my therapy sessions, I do a lot of like role play or encourage the person to go home and like practice what they want to say while they're taking the shower. Like it might take a lot of courage to start talking about how they want to set the boundary and have that conversation with that person. Do you find that that's helpful with your clients? I do. Yeah, we definitely do some role playing. Um, There's a format I also like to use when it comes to boundaries. So I like to think of it as almost writing a little short essay, right? Your intro paragraph is going to be lead with validation, right? Like, 
examples could be, you know, I'm so glad to that you're always there for me, or I'm so grateful that you X, Y, Z, and then set the boundary. And then the conclusion and, and the end all would be kind of coming towards them in their need. Like, is there a way that you can come toward what they would like without compromising your own comfort or your peace? I love that. That's a really nice formula to help people follow. Mm-hmm. I find it helps quite a bit. Yeah. And you mentioned like people need to get clear on their wants and their needs. I could also imagine people needing to get clear on what their values are mm-hmm. um, and what they value specifically in their friendships or in their romantic relationship. And that could help guide them in when a boundary has been crossed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, I hear a lot um, from young adults about needing to set boundaries with their friends about the amount of time they're able to give to a friend. And I feel like we're living right now in an age where communication can really be instant. Um, So we have texts, we have Snap, we have FaceTime, now everything's on Zoom. Like we kind of expect this instant response from people which is very different generationally from when I grew up or my parents grew up. It was like the house call, right? You had to wait to call someone on the house phone before, you know, we didn't have that immediate texting. And I'm hearing a lot of young adults talk about this frustration that sometimes their friends expect immediacy. Like, I'm so upset. I really need you right now. And if that person's like, okay, I I can't right now, I'll get back to you, that person kind of reacts to them with anger. Um, So I talk a lot about how you can set boundaries about your time and when you're able to spend time with your friends. Does that ever come up with some of the the young adults you talk to or the teenagers you talk to? Definitely. I think that's a great example. And what I tell my clients is if someone pushes back on your boundary, it is validation that you needed to set it. So just feel, feel affirmed in that, that it, it really is necessary. Yeah. And to go back to what you said in the beginning, we, we pull back from setting a boundary because we're so afraid of it ruining the relationship. Mm-hmm. But actually, like you said, we reframe it to you're protecting your relationships. You won't get burnt out from this person because if you do get burnt out, you're going to engage in that passive aggression at some point and possibly destroy that friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever see certain ways, and it might be similar to friends, how in romantic relationships, boundaries can be crossed? Oh, there are so many ways, right? I, I mean, just to give you my background, I, my first real um, fieldwork experience was in domestic violence um, in Harlem. (laughs) So, I mean, the number of boundaries that I saw crossed in romantic relationships um, was really intense and and not just physical, but emotional and uh, verbal and spatial too. Like there are so many different types of boundaries in romantic relationships. And so I always just encourage people, you know, tune in to your own comfort or discomfort and any red flags that you experience in that relationship. Yeah. And sometimes what's comfortable for us is actually dysfunctional, right? I'm thinking of someone that may have grown up in a family where 
communication was always aggressive. Um, there was name calling, there was cursing, there was such disrespect. Maybe there was physical abuse either between the parents or a parent and the person. So even though that was unhealthy and dysfunctional and crossing boundaries, that can feel normal and that can actually feel comfortable. So sometimes we seek out partners that bring us that comfort, even though it's dysfunctional. And I know that's hard for people to understand. So it's like, why would you want to relive that? But psychologically, it brings a sense of comfort and recognition. We, that person knows how to handle someone who's disrespectful and angry and aggressive. They may not know how to handle someone with a different type of communication pattern. Yes. And, oh, I could say so much about that, right? Because it boils down to a physiological response and level. Our nervous systems seek others who have similar nervous systems to our caregivers because we're looking to, for completion in that cycle of, of relationship and behavioral pattern with them. And so when, you know, you first meet someone and you say, oh my gosh, they feel like home, be careful with that, right? Because, because why? Why do they feel like home and what makes them feel like home? Mm-hmm. People are like, I felt like I've known you forever. Mm-hmm. Like that's comforting, but you kind of want to look into that and be like, who does this person then remind you of? And is that a healthy person for you? Yes. And sometimes it's so unconscious. It some it takes a couple years to to understand that at times. Exactly. And I'm glad we brought up the subconscious process again. It's not like we're walking around actively seeking someone to play this role out with. It's so subconscious and it takes a long time to recognize why you were attracted to that person. What what kind of comfort did it bring you? And I'm glad you brought up like the physiological level of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. important. It's so important. I think we start to, as you said, learn about our boundaries when we become adolescents. And then we really, really unpack them when we're like young adults in our 20s, really figuring out which way we want our life to go, who we want to pick as a partner, who are the people we want to surround ourselves with. And then we didn't even talk about like boundaries in the workplace. (laughs) But I hear a lot of people talk about that and how like bosses or managers can really overstep boundaries and have certain expectations and you know, a lot of people are expect to be in the office, but then on call all the time at home. And that's just feels really uncomfortable for some people. And they don't know how to speak up to their boss, manager, employer about those boundaries being crossed because you're at risk of, oh my gosh, will I lose my job if I switch a boundary here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear about that a lot, especially now um, on with all the Zoom Yes. Um, in the workplace and just, you know, higher ups expecting you to be on Zoom at all hours. And that wasn't the case when we were in the office. So I think making that adjustment has been a real struggle in boundary setting for many right now. Totally. And can we like talk about how awkward Zoom calls can be with a group of people in the first place? Right. I don't know about you, but a group Zoom call is so uncomfortable for me at times. I know some people love it, 
But for me, it's like everyone's staring at you. Everybody's talking at once. <laughs> um, you don't know when to speak. And when you do speak, it's like you're really the center of attention. So this age of Zooming has really tired me out. It really has. Oh, the Zoom fatigue is real. And right now I'm um, co-leading a group of like 51 people on Zoom that meets every Tuesday and no one wants to talk. <laughs> Oh my goodness, 51 people? Yes, yeah. It's part of um the on-site living empowered or living centered program. Um, but yeah, and it's a wonderful program. But I think that it, the, it's just overwhelming on Zoom. You don't know when it's your turn. Everyone's like muted and it can be really intimidating. It really can be. And you know, both of our practices right now are virtual because we can't see people in person. And one-to-one is definitely like one-to-one video session is definitely less threatening um than a group zoom so I can't I can't even imagine 51 people on a zoom right and I just can't wait to be back in person with most of my clients because I just think you lose an element of therapy that is such a gift in terms of body language and energy and regulation with someone else in the room or co-regulation so I'm really looking forward to that (laughs) I 100% agree. And I'm actually happy I went through this time because I know a lot of clinicians that only do online therapy. And I've done it before with like my college student. Um, but I it clarifies that I don't want a full online practice. I really cherish the intimate in-person moments that you get when you're in the same room. I completely agree. Yeah, a lot of therapy is what you bring into that room. So thank you so much. Oh, and before we wrap up, now that I'm thinking about boundaries, in therapy, the screen has become a boundary for people. Yes. It makes it harder to express or feel sympathy or empathy or really truly share what you're feeling. Have you found that? Oh, yeah. And and just also the fact that occasionally it freezes and we lose an important moment. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that so much. Oh, it's challenging, but we're we're just doing the best we can. Yes, and we're getting through, and that's really all that matters. You know, we're still able to support people, which makes me happy. Yes, same. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You've said so many really important things. What kind of services are you currently offering and how can people find you? Yeah. So of course I offer individual and family counseling, both in my office and virtually, especially right now. Um, but I also offer consulting for therapists. So private practice building and or Instagram growth consulting. And then in addition to that, I have a few other projects that I'm working on. But like I mentioned before, I have a podcast coming out in July called My Therapist Thinks. And that's going to be co-hosted with a good friend and fellow therapist I met while doing my graduate work at Columbia. So I love that. That should be releasing in July if all goes to planned and really looking forward to that. What kind of topic are you guys planning to talk about on the podcast? I'm so excited to hear it. Yeah, so so many different ones. I think um, self accountability is going to be mm. our first episode. We have things on love languages, relationships, friendships, um, work life balance. Um, those are just the topics I can think of off the top of my head. But I think we're going to release the episode lineup very soon. So definitely check out my Instagram to follow that. Awesome. Thank you, Mary Beth. So stay healthy. 
Good luck with launching the podcast and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. Please consider subscribing so you can stay updated when new episodes are released. And don't forget to check out the podcast show notes to find any resources that were mentioned in today's conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.